Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Alibaba sure is not. They're down another 9% to around $92 a share on the fears of another possible delisting. Yes, delisting once again, fears are back in the news. Seems like they come out every three months or so and we need to you know, readdress it. Now in this uh, video, I'm gonna talk about the article that goes over the delisting uh, fears here. I also want to cover um, the trading ban for Alibaba, where they've been trading in the last year and a half. And then lastly, I want to go over my DCF model real quickly on a very conservative case to kind of show you where Alibaba is trading from a valuation perspective. All right, so the headline is Chinese tech stocks in broad slump as SEC, hence that delisting actions. So the five companies that have been um, accused of not adhering to the Holding Foreign Companies Accountability Act that passed back in 2020 um, were Yum China, Beijing, uh, Beijing, uh, Zai Lab, ACM Research, and Hutchmed, um, and they've all been cited for not adhering. Now they basically have given them until I believe March 29th to submit evidence disputing the commission's charges of them not complying. Um, and this is the first time the SEC has warned companies that their shares are at risk of being deleted, delisted or violating the act. Now, in another article by CNBC, Chinese stocks are sharply down on Thursday. Um, they go on to kind of talk a little bit about why these might have been the first five. They're basically saying that because they're some of the first to have listed their filings with the SEC is why they're the first five on the list. And this uh, uh, Brendan Atheron, chief investment offer at Crane Shares, said all the Chinese listed ADRs will likely up, end up on the list because none of them will be able to comply with the request to have their audits reviewed. This is because Chinese law prohibits the auditors to provide the reviews to the U.S. regulatory authorities. Now, both these articles seem a little bit misleading, thinking that the delisting is almost going to be immediate. But my understanding is, and, and the, the article also contradicts itself a little bit here, maybe not contradicts itself, but also is maybe a little bit unclear, um, is that the companies have until early 2024 in order to comply. So going from where we're at in early 2022, they have about a year and like, let's say a year and nine months left in order to comply with that law. And so the delisting shouldn't really take effect until 2024, right? So I still think that's far off in advance. You may start to see these companies get warnings such as the ones that we mentioned earlier, um, but the delisting itself isn't until probably at a, a minimum a year and nine months from now. Now, the question you may be asking yourself, why do the Chinese companies not just comply? They already have their audits. Why don't they just turn them over for review on the U.S. side? The reason why is because it's technically illegal for them to share these records, these audit records outside of the U.S., according to Chinese law. And so something is going to have to change from a legality standpoint on their side in order to comply with U.S. law. And as you may know, this is this is probably going to be an area of tension. Um, and so, you know, there's two basically two things that can run out or three possible scenarios. Either time runs out, the companies are eventually delisted in about a year and nine months. The second possibility is there's some sort of extension. Um, and the third possibility is that they comply at some point, but that would require the Chinese governments to at least give some, uh, you know, give a give a portion of some of these Chinese companies the ability to share their, uh, their, their audit reports. 
All right, next up, I want to go over the trading ban of Alibaba. Basically, since November of 2020, Alibaba has been in a very strong downtrend, and their trading ban is what you can see right here in these double reds. Now, another thing I want to point out as we scroll into this is some of the different levels of resistance that we've seen as we've gone down. So around $176 a share, I thought we were going to see that resistance, and I did buy a tranche there. Their market cap at the time had basically gone cutting in half from about nine, you know, a little over 900 billion to a little less than 500 billion dollars. And then, you know, what is that? Three months later, we saw them drop down to 352 billion, down to the 140 dollar range, um, which was another line of resistance. Which I think that was a three, um, yeah, three year, three year level there. And then. The last liner is the next line of resistance that we've we were identified was around $86 a share. Um, we did talk about a $100 um, resistance as a like kind of a mental blocker, but that has been broke here recently. Let's see what's next. Now I did do a video. I'll go ahead and put a link. I think not maybe a link, but I'll show you the thumbnail and put the link in the description um, about these trading bands before and I did anticipate that Alibaba could be trending towards $90 a share um, and it looks like we're actually going towards that level so where is it going to stop at this point and really the next point is at around $86 a share now they currently are at a five-year low um, they're 10% lower than they were five years ago I'll go ahead and put that here so you can see that as of today um, but basically this 86 goes all the way back to um, December, basically 2017. Um, and so that's a, that's a the, you know, very five year low, that's quite crazy. The next low after that is $60. So that puts us back to early 2016, February of 2016, around $60 a share. And so after, um, after $60 a share, sorry if you, um, that, that scrolling is messing you up. Um, but basically after $60 a share, you know, that is the lowest really the share's ever gone is to $57. Um, and, uh, you know, basically we're going back to the IPO date in 2014. So um, when we're looking at Alibaba and their trading band, um, you know, my, my, my concern here is that we're going up against this next level of resistance around $86 um, you know and hopefully we see hopefully we start to see this start to consolidate for a longer period of time we've seen some consolidation in this band from 110 to 130 um, and we the only other time we saw consolidation was back at around 220 and it, and it only again it only lasted let's see like about a month and a half before we started to see it go down again this last um, this last consolidation, which was from you know early December to you know mid of middle of February, is probably the longest duration in the in the downtrend, where we actually saw Alibaba trade sideways for the first time um, in that year and a half window. So it's actually been uh, a little bit unique in that fact. Uh, and so now we're starting to see Alibaba trend a little bit lower, um, and if they do hit that eighty six dollar a share market cap, or sorry, $86 a share, puts them at $234 billion. Um, and based off of the current trajectory, um, do I think they're worth that much? 
Absolutely not. We'll go into the DCF model here a little bit later, but if the trend does continue, they do look like they're on pace for $60 a share. And based off of this, it could happen before 2023 if they stayed inside of this resist, basically if they stayed inside these trading bands. Um, now that would be, you know, about seven, eight months from now, or about seven months from now. Um, how possible that is, that's really hard to say. The $60 Alibaba 163, I think they got $70 billion worth of uh, cash on their books right now. So that means the company itself, their future cash flows would only be valued around 90 billion. They generated $18 billion in free cash flow last year. So they'd be trading essentially uh, maybe four and a half times free cash flow which was ju is just absolutely insane. And if they were trading and if they, you know, lowered some of their investments um, and they had the free cash flow they had the previous year, which was around 28 billion, you know, they'd be trading around three times free cash flow, which is just, just absolutely crazy there. Sorry for the interruption. If you like this content, please hit that like and subscribe. Thank you so much for watching. Now back to your content. Now, next up, I want to go into my DCF model for Alibaba. I currently have their free cash flow estimated for 2023 at about $19.6 billion. Um, and I have them growing at 9%, 8%, 7%, 6%, and 5% in the next five years with a long-term growth rate of around 3%. Now, I think these numbers are very conservative, very, very conservative based off of their historical and even based off of the signs of slower of, of Alibaba pointing to slower growth in the future, I do think these are realistic expectations, especially on the downside. So I do think this is my estimate uh, of what Alibaba will grow at. And if they surprise us, wonderful. If they don't, that's not a problem either. Now, the other thing I will say about this free cash flow, this assumes that they never re really recover back to the free cash flow they saw back in 2020, uh, 2021, where there was around $28 billion for the year. Um, and so with that being said, changing this up to 28 or 25 really does change the free cash flow moving forward and changes the valuation of Alibaba overall. So again, I'm being very conservative in this estimation with Alibaba here. Um, now current shares outstanding. I went ahead and left those the same and the net debt is around $57 billion, which means, sorry, about $60 billion in cash on the books. Um, and then the last thing I have the present value of Alibaba around $358 billion in my DCF model and the present value of, uh, of Alibaba in my EBITDA model is around 337 billion, both above where they're currently trading around 240 230 um somewhere around there 250 billion dollars right so they're still relatively undervalued um and so the equity value on a per share basis i have at 131 dollars and 123 dollars a share now again as i stated earlier i think these are very conservative estimates and if you took this um free cash flow and you went ahead and put it up to 20, uh, let's 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 just say it meets in the middle between um, between 2022 and 2021, and we get around 20 23 billion dollars in free cash flow, and then from there on out they stabilize and they grow at the same growth rates. That brings Alibaba up to 150 dollars a share. 
Um, the one thing that people do have a big problem with is this 3% long-term growth rate. Now, again, um, pumping this up just by a percentage point brings it up to $167. Bumping it up by another percentage point brings you up to $190. So I like to keep it at 3%, like to keep this stuff conservative, and that really helps us stay in check and, and um, you know, really keep expectations aligned with the future and not you know get over our, our skates here so um, still currently at where alibaba is trading they look like they're a good value even with the listing fears which again look to be a far off issue you know over a year and a half from now what alibaba trades between now and then should honestly be close to where we're looking at this dcf model now for my final thoughts so alibaba does look like a good investment at face value they do have a strong intrinsic value versus what they're currently trading at and even if you've got a little bit more bullish with your estimates their valuation is significantly higher than what i showed in the dcf model now if we look at some of the challenges that alibaba faces moving forward they are in a very strong downtrend. It is um, their 200-day moving average and their 50-day moving average are probably still another six to eight months out before they start to align. If Alibaba goes up to 110 and stays there for you know the next six or eight months, it will take that long in order for us to see um, that cross event. The other thing is with Alibaba, they do have a slowing growth overall. While we did see them grow around, we, while for 2022, we are going to see them grow at around 20%. I expect for them for 2023 to be significantly lower than that. I think analysts have them around 16%. I'm estimating more around 10% for the year because we're seeing in the last quarter, they're going to get very close to 0% growth, maybe up to 2 or 3% growth in the fourth quarter year over year. So, and, and in the third quarter, we saw a very similar thing where their growth was relatively low, about 10%. So we saw it for 10% in Q3, oh, gonna be close to 0% in Q4. What is going to happen in Q1 of 2023 and on? And my expectation is it's going to see a little bit significant growth with some of the challenges they're seeing in competition as well as the Chinese market overall starting to slow down um, relative to what they've been doing in the past. Now, with all those things being said, it doesn't mean Alibaba is a bad investment. It doesn't mean anything. It just means a time horizon um, may be a little bit longer for this investment overall. The delisting is eventually going to happen if this doesn't comply, right? And those three scenarios that I mentioned earlier, they can either extend it, they can either delist these Chinese companies, or the Chinese will, will need to change their laws and allow these companies to share the audit reports. Um, I did mention that certain companies, so I don't think all companies the Chinese government would allow to share this information because they are very high on national security threats. They're not very open about that. Why some of these stuff would have national security threats, not really sure. However, it, it doesn't really matter whether it makes logical sense. The Chinese government is going to do what they want anyways. And so you have to keep that in mind is this, this delisting risk is not going to go away. Um, it will be from here all the way out to that 2024 date. Um, and we'll have to see what happens as we get closer to that date. And it may happen. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing. I do videos on personal finance, investing, and stock analysis. My name is Frank, Frank Finance, out.